This is the message from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, October 20th, 2013. Who told you that? Wow! I am so happy to worship with you this morning. Oh my gosh, we've had three awesome, well, two awesome services, and I know this is going to be a great time together as well. Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. It's a day that you've made. Thank you that we get to worship you this morning and that there's so much activity in this building where the junior and senior high kids are learning about you, the kids in the garage, the kids, the pre-K in room three and the nursery just popping at the seams. Lord, thank you that this is a safe place where we can come and lean into you and worship your holy name. God, we also pray for um, whatever's happening, the reason for that fire whistle. We know that you're already way ahead. Please, um, whatever has happened, we pray that there's no harm to any person or property. Please protect the responders. Thank you for them. And guard people along the road as they respond. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. And everybody gathered said, amen. Amen. And so today we're going to share a Bible nugget that we find uh, primarily in chapter 3 of the first book of the Bible, a book called Genesis. Then we're going to get a little running start here, so we're going to go back. Uh, Chapter 1 we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And in chapter 1 we see the God of the cosmos with a mere word or two uh, bringing into existence all of creation. And then in chapter 2, we haven't talked about that, but just a a brief synopsis. Chapter 2, we're given further insight into creation, but in this chapter, we see a very different side of the creating God. Uh, uh, Rather than the God of the cosmos putting stars in place with a mere word, we see a side of God that is much more personal as he fashions the first human being out of the very dirt or dust of the ground, breathing into his nostrils, the very breath of life. Uh, he gives that person a name, Adam, which is very interesting because Adam or Adam is, uh, comes from the Hebrew word Adamah, which means ground. Yeah. If you have your Bibles with you or your smartphones, we'll be focusing on Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3. I'll be reading the words on the screen today. Beginning at verse 16, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Okay, so so he, he can eat from any tree I mean, this is a garden full of trees, any tree in the garden except one, and God's put it right there in the middle so he can't mess it. (laughs) Isn't it funny how we focus on what we can't have 
even if it's one little thing rather than what we can have. We, you know, we have a God who wants, us to, wants to give us everything that's good for us, and yet we focus on the boundaries that God sets for our protection, focus negatively on them. Our God is a God of liberty and freedom, but we like to focus on the limits rather than on the liberties. It's interesting, isn't it? So in Genesis chapter 2, we also find that God gives Adam a partner, fashioning his partner out of one of his ribs, not a bone from his foot, for she is not under him, not a bone from his head, for she is not over him, but a bone from his side, for they are meant to walk together in partnership. And so we close out chapter 2 in Genesis with this, verse 25. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Hey, hey, hey! Is this paradise or what? Can I get an amen to that? That was a deep, I, I knew it was the guys. That was a very low octave amen. I'm just saying... I'm just saying, Adam and his wife walk around naked all day, and they're not shaming about it, and they got fruit and vegetables for the easy picking. All he has to do is a little garden. I don't like weeding and all, but for that deal, I'd probably even do a little garden maintenance. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's all at his disposal. It doesn't get much better than that. I'm like going... Huh? I find myself like... Well, that's because you get to bring up that part of the scripture. Okay, so let's move right along to chapter 3 in Genesis. (laughs) Here's how it starts. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Mm. You ever notice how when... um, Things seem just about, maybe you've had one of those days where you're going, man, not the garden again, but, you know, it doesn't get much better than that, one of those kind of days. But when you're having those kind of days, even in the midst of, oh, this is an awesome day, don't you kind of always in the back of your mind going, but this isn't going to last. Isn't it funny how even on those kind of days, we know that, I guess it's from our experience, that we know that we don't stay on the mountaintop, do we? Sooner or later... We're going to come down into the valley. The thing about it is, see, Adam and Eve at this point, they haven't had that experience yet. They, they don't know about that, but it's coming. It's coming. We recognize that this serpent is Satan, the evil one, the devil. And we're told that this serpent is more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And we can see from the serpent's very first words that he is here to do nothing but mess with us in a bad, bad way. In fact, he begins talking with a question, not a statement, a question that's purposefully designed to mislead and confuse. You see, that's what the evil one wants to do, to mislead and confuse us, to cause disunity, to tear us apart as individuals and as a church. That's the nature of Satan. 
He will do anything, anything to get his way. You see, we find Jesus speaking about this in John 10, verse 10, where he says that Satan's mission is to steal and kill, you might know the rest, and destroy. We say that around here a lot, and Satan will use any means at his disposal. And so Satan says to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? You see what he just did? Satan knew what what God had said, and he purposely twists it to virtually the opposite. Now, God had said you can eat from any tree in the garden except one. He twists it around. Did he really say you can't eat from any tree? You know, all he has to do is plant that little tiny seed of confusion, seed of misdirection, seed of doubt. And, and since Eve, I mean, from what we read, she didn't even get the information firsthand. If you remember, when God gives the directive, he gives it to Adam because Eve isn't even in existence yet. Now, we don't know how Eve gets it, but maybe Adam told it to her. Uh, maybe she was half lit, but maybe she, heard, I don't know what was going on. So, so she got this information secondhand anyway. How easy would it be in that case to start second-guessing yourself, especially when somebody asks you a convoluted question like that and start getting confused as to what she was told? Let's pick it up at verse 2. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say... You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. Bing, 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 bing. Satan succeeded, hasn't he? Yeah. Confusing Eve and getting her to misquote what God had said. Now, you not just uh, die from eating the fruit, but in addition, you'll die if you just touch the fruit, according to her. So, does this sound familiar? Has this ever happened to you? Like, you're pretty sure of yourself. You're pretty sure of what you're saying. And then someone asks a question and might start challenging or picking apart what you know. And then, by the time you're finished, you're kind of wondering or you're not sure of anything. And you get kind of confused and not really sure of yourself. And then Satan moves in for the kill, uh, trying to uh, work on a sense of logic. He says, you know you're not going to die. God just doesn't want you on a par with him. He doesn't want you knowing good and evil like God does. Wow. And so in her mind, you know, the fruit was looking pretty good to start with. And now it's bonus time. I get to, you know, kind of know good and evil like God does. Wow. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. The end of the innocence, paradise lost. They realize they're naked, vulnerable, unprotected. 
And so they try to cover themselves with whatever they can find, in this case, fig leaves, temporary solution, because, you know, sooner or later, those leaves are going to fall apart and they're going to find themselves naked once again. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? The cool of the day and the Lord God is out for his evening stroll. I love the way God is portrayed here in, such, in this passage, so connected, so relational, so personal, so caring. Um, they hid from the Lord. <laughs> that sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? Hiding from God. <laughs> but don't we do that all the time? Don't we try to hide? Maybe we don't hide physically, but, 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 but we still try to hide um, We somehow think uh, or wish that God isn't seeing what we're doing or isn't hearing what we're saying, doesn't know what we're thinking. (laughs) We try to hide, and just like God does with Adam and Eve, God asks, where are you? Where are you? Don't you just love it that we have a God who comes a call and when we're hiding, seeks us out, a God who loves us so much that, that even when we've done exactly the opposite of what he's told us to do, he still comes a-looking for us, trying to draw us out of our hiding. God's awesome, isn't he? Amen. Well, our challenge is this. Too often, too often, when God asks us where we are, we have trouble telling him where we are. We have trouble answering. And here's why. We don't really know where we are because when we're hiding from God, we're lost. (laughs) We don't know where we are when we're hiding because when we're hiding from God, we are lost. It's hard for us to tell God where we are (laughs) other than far from him. And so we hide from God, or we think we are, and God pursues us, never gives up on that, always comes in our direction, always toward us, never away from us, and God comes to help us find ourselves as God asks us where we are. So we pick up on verse 10 of Genesis 3. Where are you, God says. He, Adam, answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, so I hid. You know, if you're really trying to hide from God, you don't respond to his questions when he asks them, right? It reminds me, when I read this, it reminded me of my sister. I have an older, younger sister when we were kids. There's like an eight-year gap between the two of them. So my little sister would want to play hide-and-seek, and I guess my older sister would get tired of saying no, so she'd play. Well, about two minutes in, my sister would go off and watch TV, and my little sister's still hiding. And she's not being found. You picture that poor little thing. And, and she's hiding, and after a while, I say, my older sister's name's Sharon. Sharon! 
Sharon, I'm, I'm in the closet. Come find me. <laughs> you know, it's so sad when you think so about it. So what were you doing during that whole time? Watching and laughing, probably. Yeah. Um, actually, I don't remember. My sister told me about it yeah. a month or two ago. She knew we were going to be preaching, probably, and she told me about it. Anyway, when I, when I was thinking about this passage, you know, isn't, isn't that kind of where Adam was, kind of like where my kid's sister was? He hid, in this case, because he knew he was wrong, but he really wanted to be found because somehow, somewhere deep in his soul, he knew that he needed God. In fact, I think he probably knew he needed God now more than ever. And that's because things had changed. They were really different. You see, never before had Adam experienced fear. Where he was in the garden, I mean, it was perfect. He didn't realize he was naked or that being naked was a bad thing. Before, he felt safe and open and carefree. And now, Adam is full of shame and full of fear, and he is unprotected and he is hiding. And he, God said to Adam, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that? That's a good question, isn't it? Who told you you're naked? Who told you that? We, we could ask ourselves that question with just some minor, minor substitutions in there. Who told you that? Who told you you're a worthless loser who'll never amount to anything? Who told you that? God didn't. God didn't tell you that. Because, because God says this. God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. <clears throat> who told you that? Who told you that you were a mistake, that you should have never been born? It was not God. God would not tell you that. God would say, I knit you together in your mother's womb. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. We know that God does not make junk. Mm. Amen. Who told you that? Who told you you should look like those girls on the magazine covers in the checkout stand? Those girls who are size oh, 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 oh. Oh, oh. Who told you that? Because it was not God. God loves you just like you are. And you're created in God's image. Who told you that? Who told you that you'll never change? God didn't tell you that. You see, Jesus says, in me, in Christ, we are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Who told you that? Who told you that? Who told you, told you you're too fat? You're too ugly? You're too stupid. You're too old. You're too young. You're too weird. You're too goofy. You're too little. You're too slow. Who told you that? 
Who told you you weren't smart enough? You weren't athletic enough, not serious enough, not funny enough, not tall enough, not strong enough, not spiritual enough. Who told you that? Who told you you can't, you won't, you'll never? Who told you that? We can tell you who didn't say those things. God would never say those things into your life. God would never fill your head with that or your heart with that. God would say, I designed you. I created you. I love you. You are my child. God would say, I don't talk to my kids that way. I don't talk to my kids like that. Who told you that? Who told you that your situation is hopeless? Who told you you'll never recover? Who told you that you should give in and give up? Who told you that? Who told you that? On January 10th, 2012, I was told that I had cancer. And it was pretty much the worst day of my life. Um, at that point, I was very, I was in shock shock that someone was to utter that word to me when they didn't even tell me to bring my husband in the room. What? You weren't even going to have me bring somebody here today and you're going to tell me that I have cancer? Are you kidding me? By the grace of God, um, Dave did come in the room, but it, did, it was not pretty. Um, he came into the room and said, I don't have good news for you today. You have breast cancer. Pretty much from then, that point on, for the rest of the meeting with the doctor, I didn't hear anything. I heard cancer over and over and over in my brain. And I knew that it was going to be difficult. That night, after I talked to my aunt, my two aunts that have also had breast cancer, and after prayer, we set out on a journey that I thought was going to be the most negative thing because of what I've heard from other people and how negative, negative cancer can be on a family and it can take its toll on you emotionally and physically. And I wasn't sure how I was going to do it because of what I've been told about cancer survivors in my life that urged me on and as time went on I started to have to lean more heavily on something else than what people were telling me because sometimes that just wasn't the right thing throughout that year I one Bible verse just kept going over and over and over in my mind. Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And that became my mantra. I was just kept saying it over and over and over again. And even though I got down at times, I put that smile on my face every single day 
because I knew he was with me through the whole battle. And I was able to share that with people who had faith, and I was able to share that with people that did not have faith. And just being able to share how the Lord was working in my life was pretty powerful. And that drove me to keep, keep going. Through all that, he was telling me that with him, all things are possible. And to fight it. Fight it with, and not just fight cancer, but fight for him in everything that I do. That I am to stand up and fight for him. Not for me, not for my family, not for my doctors, but for him. God said, I'm a fighter, and I will beat this, and I did. Who told you that you need to fear the C word and live in absolute misery? Who told you that? It sure wasn't God. Because God says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For I will be with you wherever you go. You know, it's time to um, get rid of that voice that does all that negative talking to us. Time to tell Satan to take a hike. Amen. Amen. Time to focus on the one who loves us, not the one who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Time, time to listen to God's voice of truth, not Satan's lies. Time to come out of hiding and enjoy what God has to offer. And that's what God wants. That's what God wanted from the very beginning, from the very beginning of time for us to come out of hiding. So God made clothes out of the skins of animals. And that was the first sacrifice. So Adam and Eve would be protected and less vulnerable. You see, from the very beginning, there's always been a price for sin. From there, sacrifice continued to be made for the sins of God's people. Animal sacrifice. They would take an unblemished animal and sacrifice that animal for the sin, to pay for that sin. God loves us so much that he allowed the sacrifice of his creatures to pay for our sin. And the trouble with that system is that you never finish. There's always more sin, and so there would always be more sacrifice. And that's where Jesus comes in. Because he's the ultimate sacrifice. He offered his perfect life as the sacrifice for your sin and mine. His sin-free life pays the price for our sin-filled lives. Amen? And who told me that? Well, God told me that. God makes it quite clear in Scripture with that. You know, some of us here today are are brand new to this whole Jesus thing. In fact, we're so new, we, we might not even, we're just learning the name of this guy and a little bit about it. And the other end of the spectrum, 
There's people here who are traveling with Jesus. He's like part of the fabric of your everyday life. And then we've got people all, all over the place in between, from, from not knowing Jesus at all to a fully committed life to Christ. Well, here's the thing, though. Wherever you fall on that spectrum, one thing don't ever forget. God loves you. God loves you. Um, and here's the thing. God loves you so much, no matter where you are on that spectrum, um, He loves you so much, He loves you just as you are, but too much to leave you there. And so that's why He allowed His one and only Son to be sacrificed, so that we might be able to come out of hiding, so to speak, so that we might be able to enjoy the life that He gives, not just now, but through eternity with him. John 3, 6, 16 and 17. Please say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And so it's time to stop listening to the lies of Satan. And that can be a little bit of a challenge because sometimes some of those lies are so deeply embedded in our being that they have become our truth. We've been carrying them around so long that we believe them so deeply that that's our truth. Well, we have a hard time then recognizing them for what they are, and that's lies. And so it's time to stop listening to the one who tells us those lies, who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And it's time to start listening daily, hourly, by the minute, to the voice of truth. Who told you that? Who told you that? All those tapes that go in our heads that are just pure lies, absolute lies. It's not God. You see, God would say to you, you are beloved. You are my son. You are my daughter. Come to me. If you have any question about that, any concern, anything that you want to talk about, there are people back in that prayer corner that are just waiting to pray with you, to talk to you. Don't leave without making things right between you and God. Don't leave without saying, okay, God, I'm coming out of hiding. I'm yours. Let's follow and listen to the voice of truth. Amen. We hope this is the greatest week of your life. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302 378 7692 Connection Community Church
connecting people to Jesus and the life that he offers.